Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Author of it. Menendez heard Fernando Perez, an ensign, say aloud to his comrades, This Asturian Corito, who knows no more of war on shore than an ass, has betrayed us all. By God, if my advice had been followed, he would have had his deserts the day he set out on this cursed journey. The Adelantado pretended not to hear. Two hours before dawn he called his officers about him. All night, he said, he had been praying to God and the Virgin. Signors, what shall we resolve on? Our ammunition and provisions are gone. Our case is desperate. And he urged a bold rush on the fort. But men and officers alike were disheartened and disgusted. They listened coldly and sullenly. Many were for returning at every risk. None were in the mood for fight. Menendez put forth all his eloquence, till at length the dashed spirits of his followers were so far revived that they consented to follow him. All fell on their knees in the marsh. Then, rising, they formed their ranks and began to advance, guided by the renegade Frenchman, whose hands, to make sure of him, were tied behind his back. Groping and stumbling in the dark among trees, roots, and underbrush, buffeted by wind and rain, and lashed in the face by the recoiling boughs which they could not see, they soon lost their way, fell into confusion, and came to a stand, in a more savagely desponding mood than before. But soon a glimmer of returning day came to their aid, and showed them the dusky sky, and the dark columns of the surrounding pines. Menendez ordered the men forward on pain of death. They obeyed, and presently, emerging from the forest, could dimly discern the ridge of a low hill, behind which, the Frenchmen told them, was the fort. Menendez, with a few officers and men, cautiously mounted to the top. Beneath lay Fort Caroline, three bowshots distant, but the rain, the imperfect light, and a cluster of intervening houses prevented his seeing clearly, and he sent two officers to reconnoitre. As they descended, they met a solitary Frenchman, they knocked him down with a sheathed sword, wounded him, took him prisoner, kept him for a time, and then stabbed him as they returned towards the top of the hill. Here, clutching their weapons, all the gang stood in fierce expectancy. "'Santiago!' cried Menendez. "'At them! God is with us! Victory!' And shouting their hoarse war-cries, the Spaniards rushed down the slope like starved wolves. Not a sentry was on the rampart. La Vigna, the officer of the guard, had just gone to his quarters— but a trumpeter, who chanced to remain, saw, through sheets of rain, the swarm of assailants sweeping down the hill. He blew the alarm, and at the summons a few half-naked soldiers ran wildly out of the barracks. It was too late. Through the breaches and over the ramparts the Spaniards came pouring in, with shouts of, Santiago, Santiago! Sick men leaped from their beds. 
women and children, blind with fright, darted shrieking from the houses. A fierce, gaunt visage, the thrust of a pike, or a blow of a rusty halberd, such was the greeting that met all alike. Laudonniere snatched his sword and target, and ran towards the principal breach, calling to his soldiers. A rush of Spaniards met him. His men were cut down around him, and he, with a soldier named Bartholomew, was forced back into the yard of his house. Here stood a tent, and as the pursuers stumbled among the cords, he escaped behind Ottigny's house, sprang through the breach in the western rampart, and fled for the woods. Lemoyne had been one of the guard. Scarcely had he thrown himself into a hammock which was slung in his room, when a savage shout, and a wild uproar of shrieks, outcries, and the clash of weapons, brought him to his feet. He rushed by two Spaniards in the doorway, ran behind the guardhouse, leaped through an embrasure into the ditch, and escaped to the forest. Chaloux, the carpenter, was going betimes to his work, a chisel in his hand. He was old, but pike and partisan brandished at his back gave wings to his flight. In the ecstasy of his terror he leapt upward, clutched at the top of the palisade, and threw himself over with the agility of a boy. He ran up the hill, no one pursuing, and as he neared the edge of the forest turned and looked back. From the high ground where he stood he could see the butchery, the fury of the conquerors, and the agonizing gestures of the victims. He turned again in horror, and plunged into the woods. As he tore his way through the briars and thickets, he met several fugitives escaped like himself. Others presently came up, haggard and wild, like men broken loose from the jaws of death. They gathered together and consulted. One of them, known as Master Robert, in great repute for his knowledge of the Bible, was for returning and surrendering to the Spaniards. They are men, he said, perhaps when their fury is over they will spare our lives, and even if they kill us it will only be a few moments' pain. Better so than to starve here in the woods, or be torn to pieces by wild beasts. The greater part of the naked and despairing company assented, but Chaloux was of a different mind. The old Huguenot quoted scripture, and called the names of prophets and apostles to witness, that in the direst extremity God would not abandon those who rested their faith in him. Six of the fugitives, however, still held to their desperate purpose. Issuing from the woods, they descended towards the fort, and as with beating hearts their comrades watched the result, a troop of Spaniards rushed out, hewed them down with swords and halberds, and dragged their bodies to the brink of the river, where the victims of the massacre were already flung in heaps. Lemoyne, with a soldier named Grandamine, whom he had met in his flight, toiled all day through the woods and marshes, in the hope of reaching the small vessels anchored behind the bar. Night found them in a morass. No vessel could be seen, and the soldier, in despair, broke into angry upbraidings against his companion, saying that he would go back and give himself up. Lemoyne at first opposed him, then yielded. But when they drew near the fort, and heard the uproar of savage revelry that rose from within, the artist's heart failed him. He embraced his companion, and the soldier advanced alone. A party of Spaniards came out to meet him. He kneeled and begged for his life. He was answered by a death-blow, and the horrified Lemoyne, from his hiding-place in the thicket, saw his limbs hacked apart, stuck on pikes, and borne off in triumph. Meanwhile, Menendez, mustering his followers, had offered thanks to God for their victory, and this pious butcher wept with emotion as he recounted the favors which heaven had showed upon their enterprise. His admiring historian gives it in proof of his humanity, that after the rage of the assault was spent, he ordered that women, infants, and boys under fifteen should thenceforth be spared. 
Of these, by his own account, there were about fifty. Writing in October to the king, he says that they cause him great anxiety, since he fears the anger of God, should he now put them to death in cold blood, while, on the other hand, he is in dread lest the venom of their heresy should infect his men. A hundred and forty-two persons were slain in and around the fort, and their bodies lay heaped together on the bank of the river. Nearly opposite was anchored a small vessel, called the Pearl, commanded by Jacques Ribot, son of the Admiral. The ferocious soldiery, maddened with victory and drunk with blood, crowded to the water's edge, shouting insults to those on board, mangling the corpses, tearing out their eyes, and throwing them towards the vessel from the points of their daggers. Thus did the most Catholic Philip champion the cause of heaven in the new world. It was currently believed in France, and though no eye-witness attests it, there is reason to think it true, that among those murdered at Fort Caroline there were some who died a death of particular ignominy. Menendez, it is affirmed, hanged his prisoners on trees, and placed over them the inscription, I do this not as to Frenchmen, but as to Lutherans. The Spaniards gained a great booty in armor, clothing, and provisions. Nevertheless, says the devout Mendoza, after closing his inventory of the plunder, the greatest profit of this victory is the triumph which our Lord has granted us, whereby his holy gospel will be introduced into this country, a thing so needful for saving so many souls from perdition. Again, he writes in his journal, We owe to God and his mother, more than to human strength, this victory over the adversaries of the holy Catholic religion. To whatever influence, celestial or other, the exploit may best be ascribed, the victors were not yet quite content with their success. Two small French vessels, besides that of Jacques Ribot, still lay within range of the fort. When the storm had a little abated, the cannon were turned on them. One of them was sunk, but Ribot, with the others, escaped down the river, at the mouth of which several light craft, including that bought from the English, had been anchored since the arrival of his father's squadron. While this was passing, the wretched fugitives were flying from the scene of massacre through a tempest, of whose persistent violence all the narratives speak with wonder. Exhausted, starved, half-naked, for most of them had escaped in their shirts, they pushed their toilsome way amid the ceaseless wrath of the elements. A few sought refuge in Indian villages, but these, it is said, were afterwards killed by the Spaniards. The greater number attempted to reach the vessels at the mouth of the river. Among the latter was Lemoyne, who, notwithstanding his former failure, was toiling through the mazes of tangled forests, when he met a Belgian soldier, with the woman described as Laudonniere's maidservant, who was wounded in the breast, and urging their flight towards the vessels, they fell in with other fugitives, including Laudonniere himself. As they struggled through the salt marsh, the rank sedge cut their naked limbs, and the tide rose to their waists. Presently they descried others, toiling like themselves through the matted vegetation, and recognized Chalot and his companions, also in quest of the vessels. The old man still, as he tells us, held fast to his chisel, which had done good service in cutting poles to aid the party to cross the deep cracks that channeled the morass. The united band, twenty-six in all, were cheered at length by the sight of a moving sail. It was the vessel of Captain Mallard, who, informed of the massacre, was standing along shore in hope of picking up some of the fugitives. He saw their signals, and sent boats to their rescue, but such was their exhaustion that, had not the sailors, wading to their armpits among the rushes, borne them out on their shoulders, few could have escaped. Laudonniere was so feeble that nothing but the support of a soldier, who held him upright in his arms, had saved him from drowning in the marsh. 
On gaining the friendly decks, the fugitives counseled together. One and all, they sickened for the sight of France. After waiting a few days, and saving a few more stragglers from the marsh, they prepared to sail. Young Ribot, though ignorant of his father's fate, assented with something more than willingness. Indeed, his behavior throughout had been stamped with weakness and poltroonery. On the 25th of September, they put to sea in two vessels, and after a voyage, the privations of which were fatal to many of them, they arrived, one party at Rochelle, the other at Swansea, in Wales. End of chapter 7 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.